You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. From the table, the official podcast of New York's world famous comedy seller coming at you on Sirius XM 99, Raw Dog, and on the Ridecast Podcast Network. We are here tonight with, well, myself, Dan Natterman, as usual, Noam Dorman, the owner of the world famous comedy seller, and Perry L. Ashton Brown, the producer. Defunct. Now Noam defunct. World famous well, it's not seller. defunct, uh, it is dormant, it is, uh, it dormant, is hibernating. Okay. But winter will be over soon. I use that figuratively, of course. Perry Alashan Brand, the producer of Live from the Table here. Uh, Nimesh Patel, comedy seller regular that I have not seen, I don't think, since we went into lockdown. Yes, sir. But he's now a married man. Is that correct, Nimesh? That is true. Uh, well, that's, there's a lot, a lot of that going on in the comedy world. A lot of comedy babies, too. I don't know if, if you'll be adding to that uh, at some point. Uh, we have any ideas. Okay. Um, and Justin Weinberg, Associate Professor of Philosophy at the University of South Carolina, Go Tar Heels. Um, Gamecocks. <laughs> Gamecocks. You have to get used to, to Gamecocks when you move down here. The word Cox is everywhere. It's kind of surprising. He is also the uh, the Tar Heels, I guess, are maybe North Carolina or something. I don't know. He's also the editor of Daily News, is it pronounced? Yep, Daily News, basically. Daily News, N-O-U-S. Yes. And we'll get to the etymology of that. A popular philosophy news site. He teaches, talks, and writes about ethics and political philosophy, as well as the philosophy of philosophy. Not sure what that is. And is currently working on a project about disagreement, and it couldn't be better timed because... We are so divided as a country. Noam, I'll, I'll leave it to you to uh, get things rolling. Uh, I assume you have something in particular you wanted to uh, talk to Justin about. I may have trouble contributing properly today. I don't know. It's, it's, your guys are freezing and stopping. Free, I'm freezing and going. So, yeah, cancel culture. Where do you stand? Well, I assume Justin's against it, but let's hear from him. Well, there are a couple of questions, of course, when we say cancel culture for or against it. Uh, one is, uh, what is it? And two, is, does it really exist? Uh, so I would say that I'm generally not in favor of punishing people in material ways, in career ways, in uh, severe social ways for things they say, most people. Uh, but it's unclear whether cancel culture, as it's getting a lot of press today, is something new, uh, whether it is excessive, um, and um, whether it's a bad thing, actually. So I, th I think that there's, there's, a, there's, there's a problem with the diagnosis. People think society is getting worse. People think society is getting less tolerant. And you get that kind of thinking motivating these complaints about cancel culture, but I think that uh, those kinds of complaints are overblown. The trends aren't going in that direction. Uh, facts are different. Yeah, but you've seen some of the surveys of people 
saying that they uh, 70% feel that they can't speak freely. Uh, college professors are widely talking about things that they can't say. Uh, we, we, ha- we do interviews all the time. Guests will tell us beforehand, please don't bring this up. Please don't bring that up. Please cut that out. It'll ruin me. Um, we're all afraid to talk. You're seeing everybody being fired, boycotted. Uh, um, how can you not say it's real? Okay, well, so one thing is uh, whether our observations are, are actually accurate. So one thing that we're all susceptible to is what social psychologists call the availability heuristic. And this is the, our tendency to take our capacity for remembering an instance of something and mistaking that for the frequency with which it happens. So if we can remember a certain kind of thing, we think it happens a lot. Um, why might we easily remember something if we're hearing a lot about it, right? And we tend to hear a lot about instances of cancel culture, right? So we might hear about a, a comedian who was booted off the stage at Columbia, for example, uh, or we uh-huh. might hear about an academic being targeted uh, for something politically incorrect, they said. And these stories get widely circulated, right? But if you look at the proportion of cases to the types of which they are cases, the number of comic performances, the number of academic talks or papers, we're talking about a very tiny number of people being complained about, a tiny number of people being booted off stage or deplatformed, right? So there is a perception that this is well, a uh, widespread talk, phenomenon. Hold on. How many people were blacklisted by McCarthy? Right, so th- that's I mean, a great about question. A tiny number of people. Um, I mean, it, it, obviously, every every one of these things, you have entire subjects which are off limits. You have well, what do you think? What's an self-centered. example of a subject that's off limits? It's off limits. Okay, well, if you let, well, ahead, well, you at least tell me it's off limits, right? We're not so censored that we can't complain that we're being censored. That's one development too. <laughs> For instance, for instance, uh, uh, and I don't even know where J.K. Rowling said something about trans, whatever she thinks about trans. I don't even know what she said. And right. So, so, so J.K. Rowling made. It, so J.K. Rowling, let's look at that case. Right, J.K. Rowling said something about trans people. What happened to J.K. Rowling? Right. Well, what she, happened to she her? She has enormous wealth. So I'll tell you, she she was attacked, and she's considered persona non grata by the, the elite circles now. And a lot of people didn't even want to sign a letter that she was um, a part of. But more importantly, if I, if I happen to agree with J.K. Rowling, I would never say so now because I can't withstand what she went through. And if I were a professor without tenure, a psychology professor who actually agreed with her, I know that if I were to say it, my students would move to have me fired. And they'd boycott me if I wanted to speak. The self-censorship going on is tremendous right now. You don't know that? John McWhorter on Twitter talks about every single day, he counts up a, a letter he gets from someone at Columbia who says they're afraid to speak freely now. And he's up to 150 letters he's gotten. I don't know how many people there are you know, teaching at Columbia. So there are a lot of issues here, right? So, so one thing is whether the fear of self-censorship is justified, right? Whether people should feel 
that they can't speak out because of what might happen to them. And whether that's justified might depend on what actually happens to most people who speak out on these subjects, right? That's one thing. Another thing though, is that um, being able to say, I can't talk about this is itself a measure of comfortability with your ability to express yourself, right? Let me ask a question. Who is saying the right thing who is also afraid of saying things? Like, if you're saying something that you think is correct, and then you get corrected, that's one thing. But if you're going to go out and say all this wild shit that is incorrect on the wrong side of history, and you want to say that shit, then if, unless you're a comedian, in which case you can just say whatever the fuck you want, and, and couch it in a joke, as long as it's a joke. But if you're like a professor and you're saying things that are on the wrong side of history, and that is uh, incorrect, then... You're I, talking about me, How do you know what's on the, I'm just saying, I want to know what you think people are self-censoring. Well, I think, that, well, go ahead, Justin. Well, I was going to say that, keep in mind, self-censorship is so not I'll, something, I'll give, wait, wait, it's I'll not give, something on, new, if I may. Right? So First of all, Wait, wait, wait. One second. Justin, 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 let me just say something. I'll just shut up. First of all, history is not like if you guys think that never again, I said this the other day, never again we're going to come to a time when the conventional was totally wrong and that the person who had the offensive opinion turned out to be right, which is a pattern we've seen over and over and over and over through history. If you think we've, we've come to the end of that, where all of a sudden the majority is just going to be right about everything. That is just crazy talk. All right. We. I don't. I'm not saying on, that. I don't we know. Depend who's on who's saying on, that. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Nimesh is saying that. We depend no. on Nimesh a robust like exchange. Yeah. We depend. What are you saying on the wrong side of history? How do you I'm know asking, it's on the wrong side of history? Uh, I'm, I, I'm I think asking I'm what you think. I thought Galileo was on the wrong side of history. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm answering. So there was a guy, David Shore, who I know, who, uh, who tweeted out, he works for a far, uh, a, a far, um, far left, but a quite a left, uh, uh, left-wing um, pro-democratic polling thing, uh, doing a research. And he tweeted out that uh, ri- violent riots were bad for Democrats, people, peaceful protests were good for Democrats. This was in the news a lot. And he got fired because... We don't. We assume because it was uh, somehow criticizing the violent protests for BLM. Now, I see, no, no one is going to risk that opinion again. Um, and he got fired for for tweeting out the study by a black political scientist. You know, a, a black liberal political scientist. That there is tremendous. Let me tell you something. I've had this argument with a few people, and the only people who feel this way are the people who actually have no opinions they're afraid to share. Everybody else I know who works for a living, who teaches for a living, writers. I mean, you see how many people signed that Harper lever? You see how many people would join Persuasion? I mean, I mean uh, Andrew Sullivan got fired. Uh, I mean, it, it's, the list is not small. And I, I speak I, to journalists. I, I mean, this is, this is just unbelievable denial here. I think so go ahead. I'm sorry. Another question that should be asked is, is how different is this 
from other periods of the time, uh, is it markedly different or is just the things you can't say different? Thank and you, Dan. Yeah, that's it's, the point. It resembles another period well, of time. It resembles a period of time when you could get fired from a, for communist leanings. That's what it resembles. Go ahead. Sorry. So, so I, th I think, Dan, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Uh, throughout history, there have always been positions the, uh, for which you'd get punished for expressing, right? It happens to be that these oh. positions change oh, over time, right? So uh, if you were uh, in, opposed to racial discrimination or opposed to slavery or opposed to interracial marriage or in favor of gay marriage or you were an atheist or you were a communist, there were various periods of time in history in which you would get canceled, executed, shunned uh, by the community for expressing these views or lose job opportunities and things like that. So we do want to be careful about overemphasizing. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'll give you an example. Were I a comedian in 1890s France, I'd be very, very reticent to do jokes about the Dreyfus affair. <laughs> I happen to be reading a book. No, on no. That I'm saying give me an example. <laughs> That's why I bring it up. I would imagine if you're a comedian in the 1860s and saying, give me an example from an abolitionist, you wouldn't come want on, Dan, that come either. On. Well, those are, but those are real examples. Right, so people have always felt. Really? So, so people have always felt that there are certain topics or certain positions that they can't fully express themselves on or reveal perhaps their true feelings about because of the general that culture at the time. That is not true. I that mean, is not true. Given the extent to which our history has been dominated by dictatorships and religious authorities, I don't see how you could possibly deny that. Hold on. If you're saying Start that we shouldn't Galileo. be alarmed because maybe... Let me just say something. Are you, if you, I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds to me like you're saying that we shouldn't be alarmed because perhaps we're going back to a, another time in history when things were terrible. I, I reject no. that. I'm we can distinguish between two claims. The seven... In the 70s, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, people had tremendous freedom to say whatever they wanted, even very extremely unpopular opinions, without suffering the consequences that were consequences today. So the ACLU could openly defend the Nazis and still be able to go out to dinner and expect to be a cop. Uh, people like Mayor Kahana, who was a right-wing racist, could go and speak in, at, at universities. Andrew Sullivan published The Bell Curve, and believe me, I'm not endorsing The Bell Curve, I'm just giving an example. He published The Bell Curve in the New Republic, and well, he published. published an excerpt of the, oh. Andrew Sullivan published an excerpt of The Bell Curve in the New Republic. The New Republic, which was the 90s, along with maybe 20 or 30 rebuttals to it, uh, and, and did not suffer then consequences to his career, although he has finally been fired today in no small part for what he did back then in the 90s. So if you're, if you're saying that the pendulum is swinging back to a bad time, I might agree with you, but I'm saying we should not be, that's no excuse to say, oh, there's nothing to see here. Because, you know, we've had slavery before, so if we slip back into it, it's not unprecedented. Okay, so there's Go always going to be some social lines about you know, that are drawn regarding what views most people tolerate and what views most people don't tolerate. These lines move, change over time. Right? 
sometimes more might be on one side of the line, sometimes less might be on some side of the line, but we have to sort of figure out like where, you know, on what issues is this line drawn, where are they drawn? And we can say, hey, look, maybe things, um, that we can what still the claim of, are things getting worse or are the norms just changing? The, sub, the, the position's changing, that's one question. Another question might be, well, maybe things aren't getting worse, but they're, they're just as bad, right? And I think maybe, you'd agree with at least that, that, that even if they haven't gotten worse, no. they're still bad. He, but Noam thinks they, well, I think oh, so. What, 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 you think it has gotten worse, right? Can I say, what line was there, what line in the 1990s at a time when uh, David Duke or a Nazi leader could go on TV and be interviewed by Phil Donahue in those days? What line was there that you couldn't cross? Well, the line was, is that if you actually agreed with, uh, 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 and I don't think you'd have a job much longer in a lot of places. I don't think that a comedian, you talk about the bell curve, and maybe it's true that the bell curve was allowed to be published and was in bookstores, and that's all true. On the other hand, as a comedian, if you went on the bell curve is right, I don't think you'd have much of a career. Also, Noam, uh, what are you saying people can't say? I mean, I, I don't... Like, if you look at what's happening on Facebook, everyone can say whatever the fuck they want constantly. There is a lot Did of that. Did you get taken off I stage mean, for saying something you weren't supposed to say? Yeah, look, I'm, I always point to what happened to me as an overcorrection, but also, I, A, I was in the right, B, it was an overcorrection, and, and, and C, like, I, a, I didn't get canceled. I'm doing fine. Uh, and I always, I was talking to Hassan about this, it's like, Jamal Khashoggi got canceled. Like the rest of us are doing fine. We're okay. Can like, you guys just say what happened for anybody who's listening who doesn't know Nimesh's story when he got kicked off stage? I was kicked off stage at Columbia University for telling a joke uh, to uh, much national attention somehow. Uh, you can Google it. It's uh, did a whole Rogan podcast about it. Um, so that's the Columbia incident that we're referring to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I, my, I'm an exception to, I, I don't even look at me as a, a case of cancel culture. I just think that these, it was like a, an overcorrection where people misheard stuff and they wanted to protect their own asses before anything happened. When I think of- used to happen. What's that? This didn't used to go on. Of course it did. Throughout history, think, there have been people overreacting. No, it, there have been people, cases of people overreacting. And no, I'll grant you that today we have cases of people overreacting, right? There is that. The question is, can we generalize from that to some overarching cultural trend? Yeah, I mean, you get comics all the time saying that they don't want to do college shows anymore because they can't say anything. But they can. Yeah, I mean, look, I, as for, I got to do the best kind of research for this event tonight. I watched a bunch of stand-up comedy last couple of days. I uh, got a chance to watch Mark Norman's recent special, right? Which I love that guy. And uh, he, he opens his joke with a fat disabled joke. Uh, he he uh, touches on, you know, on autism. He touches on uh, politically incorrect views about women. He makes, I mean, anti, there's an anti-Semitism type joke. I'm, he's not endorsing these things, but he's making, he, he's touching on all of these politically incorrect topics, making jokes about them. Uh, and, He's he doing it at college. Fine. He can't do that at a college. He can't do that at a college anymore. What I what I would could I I would say uh, is that 
um, I think the social media has rendered things a little hairier. I, I agree with Justin that there have always been lines that you would probably not want to cross if you valued your career, especially as a comedian. There have always been topics you probably don't want to go there because, you know, it used to be like Lenny Bruce we discussed last night on another podcast that got arrested for saying curse words. But um, I think the social media has added a dimension where you can get these online mobs, these Twitter mobs that you couldn't have in the 90s. And so the consequences can be a lot more severe. Uh, right. just, it's harder uh, to deal with that. It's, I mean, I agree that you know, we, social media makes it the case that we hear about, each of us hears about more cases, right? And even, each of us can say something on this platform and together they add up to a pretty nasty effect for whoever's on the receiving end of it. Like that's a, that's a fact about do you our, recall our ever technology. Do you, do, you recall, do you recall ever before that the New York Times, which had published, you know, op-eds from Gaddafi, the Taliban, uh, Farrakhan, um, whatever. Um, well, that's what he's going to use. Yeah, well, that's do, you, do, you ever, yeah, do you ever recall the time where the op-ed editor got fired for a heavily vetted He, he didn't read the op-ed. Uh, he resigned. Um, so yeah, he resigned, what? and he admitted that he didn't read it before publishing it. But what was wrong with it? And and then and then I mean the, the that's a pretty Arthur, serious abdication so, so of one's publisher, responsibility so this, for the editorial so the, page of the newspaper of record of the country, no, supposedly not reading what you publish. First, first of all, to be honest, hold on. First of all, he actually didn't read it, and that wasn't at the initial party line, so that he wouldn't. Um, so he, could, so he could have some plausible deniability. But second of all, it was, according to the all reports, they went back three or four times uh, fact-checking and all that. But the fact is that the, the opinions expressed were so, you know, uh, I mean, it was just a Republican opinion. And uh, the publisher, but this is the key part. So the publisher initially defended it, and he had read it. And only when Twitter descended, and only when people started to say they felt unsafe, uh, and couching the complaint in a, you know, like a worker safety uh, language. At that point, he did a 180 and fired the guy. Um, I don't, ev I haven't seen anything like that in my lifetime. I, the opinions I could, I could Google right now all sorts of outlandish opinions uh, in the New York Times. I mean, he he expressed an opinion which polled above 50 percent the United States of America. I'm not endorsing the opinion, but got fired for that. And you don't, so you don't think that that has uh, repercussions. But is, is, is this due, Noam, do you think, to a change in people's tolerance for different ideas or social media accentuating uh, yeah. intolerance that was already there? Well, it's, 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 it's all of it. I mean, Barry Weiss said very uh, uh, memorably that Twitter has become the executive editor of the New York Times. I think she understated. I think Twitter has become the executive editor of American culture. Okay, and, so if that's um, the case, right, then yeah. we have to ask a question, right, about where we're going to lay the responsibility and how we're going to change things. So here's a question, right? So when a Twitter mob forms, right, someone says something that's objectionable and then the mob, you know, goes wild on Twitter. So uh, suppose that, you know, Joe Schmo is part of this mob. They read what so-and-so said they don't like it. So they go, I don't like what this person said. Or only evil people say this kind of thing. Are you, people should be allowed to say that, right? I mean, you're not opposed to that kind of freedom of expression, right? People, okay, people are allowed so to I do it, and now Periel does it, and Dan does it, and Nimesh does it, and everyone else does it. And now it's, 
you know, 100,000 people saying something like this. If it's okay for me to do it, and there's no relevant difference between Dan or Periel and Namesh and I, you know, it's okay for them to do it. So it doesn't, if there's wrongdoing here, it's not clear that it's in the people expressing their opinion. We might think rather that it's in the oversensitivity that the gatekeepers and authorities have, uh, the oversensitivity that they're showing in being quick to uh, let go of employees or instill draconian social media policies mm-hmm. at their firms uh, or to drop clients, right? We That's might think that the, the real blame here goes to the businesses that are saying, we're not going to stand up to the crowd, right? Well, I think there's blame to go around. I think I, I, like I, that I, point. I, I agree with a lot of that. I, I agree think, with a lot of that. I've said that many times. Yeah. I think that uh, obviously everyone has a right to express their opinion, but I think people should do well to be a little more tolerant of other opinions. We can't legislate that, but that might be something that we could encourage. And But I 100% agree with you that people might be overreacting. Our, a case that, of course, the comedy seller, uh, a case that's directly related is uh, Louis C.K. You know, if you, re- if you read Twitter, you might think that 99% of Americans wanted C.K. tarred and feathered. But when he came to the comedy seller, because no one refused to back down, the crowd was happy to see him except for one or two people. So in that sense, uh, Twitter exaggerated what was really there in the public you know, mind. No, right. I think we shouldn't pay too much attention to what goes on on Twitter. That goes for people trying to assess what's going on in the culture, but also I think for the people themselves who are targeted and for the businesses whose employees or clients uh, themselves are, are targeted. You gotta be, you know, just chill out. And we saw, for example, with Trader Joe's recently, they said, look, we have these products. They have these ethnic, humorous type names. Uh, we just mean it all in good fun. It's fun marketing. And they, they, they stood up, right? And everyone's like, yeah, great for Trader Joe's, right? So that's an example of a company that's doing you know, things a little bit differently. I think it, it, it goes to show, though, that the actual consequences for saying something bad um, are probably not as terrible as we're led to believe by uh, a few egregious cases from which we're overgeneralizing. I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that the gatekeepers are overreacting. No, wouldn't you agree? Well, I, I do think that the gatekeepers have put blood in the water and the, and it's terrible. It's a, very bad to put blood in the water because that encourages people uh, to, to come looking for it. And um, every time I've said this for a long time, every time they fire someone, it creates the expectation in people that if they can find something on the next person, that they can be fired. And now, and now it's being weaponized. You scroll tweets with the, the, the intention actually has changed for many people from uh, looking to engage in a constructive. Uh, d- you have to go outside. Oh, beautiful, sweetheart. My daughter. Okay. Sweetheart, I'm, okay, this is my daughter. It's all right, huh? So the, the, the intention has gone from, um, from, from engaging in the marketplace of ideas, to use the American cliche, which is really essential to our um, democracy, to wep- just literally trying to figure out how to ruin people. And as I said, the, the ruining people really bothers me, but the self-censorship, I mean, the cloud that we live under in this podcast every week. Can we, do we have to cut this out? Do we have to cut that out? I mean, this didn't used to, when I, when I first started this podcast, God forbid, 
I, I didn't feel this way. I, I got in tr- I said on the podcast one time that I read To Kill a Mockingbird to my daughter. And there was a column that got a lot of attention called Dumb Dwarman that accused me of being a white supremacist and a racist. And okay, then, but fine, and, you know, right? And, and that, you don't like that. And, but and that comes that's a well-founded opinion. Right. If, there, if you're no, worried I'm, about I'm, constraints I'm, on the freedom of expression, it seems weird to complain about Justin, someone's expression just Justin, because they happen to be criticizing Justin, you loudly. Justin, there's a reason it's called cancel culture. It's not a crime. It is, it is a culture, and that's what's scary about it because they have a right to do it. There's all mm-hmm. sorts of things. As a matter of fact, right. our culture, you could have a racist culture, and we have the right to be racist, Correct. And we can, and, and I could say, I could lament racist culture is terrible. And you could say, what do you mean? They have the right to do that. Everybody's free to be racist. How can you complain about it? Okay, I'm so complaining just, about it because it's bad for the country, not because they don't have right. a right to do it. You're, you're quite right. It's terrible right? for the country. There are all sorts of reasons not to do things on particular occasions that we have rights to do. So I totally agree with you there. But in the case that you're describing that happened to you, should a person not, is it, Shouldn't, should they not be able, or should it, was it improper of them to exercise their right to criticize you that way? I mean, isn't that it's a bad, a, it's a, a robust culture of disagreement and debate that we want in our society? Yeah. So a few things. By the way, my internet is so bad in stopping and starting. Don't uh, mistake me interrupting for uh, interrupting. Sometimes I, I realize I'm talking. It's frozen. Whatever. Um, it's, it, is a, it is a very difficult thing to have a culture of forbearance. We did have it at one time. We, the, the whole notion of, I respect your opinion, but I would, I, I disagree with your opinion, but I would uh, fight with my life. Your, I would defend with my life your right to say it. We're very quite far from that kind of thing now. And so the, just the, the, you would wish that among intelligent people, they would decline from, uh, from just asking an ad hominems as we do now. Sure, write a column and say why uh, you don't think it's right to, for, for Noam to read To Kill a Mockingbird to his children. But, and it, it all, it's all a, a, a toxic mix because in a pay-per-click environment, there's tremendous incentives to trump up the charge, trump up the headline to get someone to read it. So it's, it's all perverse and all the, incent- all the incentives are bad right now. All the incentives are bad. And that plus a young generation that uh, really believes that speech is violence and is on the lookout for trigger warnings and all this stuff, we are going to find ourselves without the ability to debate difficult issues anymore. Like we're already there, like, like immigration. Immigration is a real issue. Uh, for a nation to discuss. You can't get through that conversation in 2020 without being called a racist unless you're on the side of AOC. I mean, you can't. You, I, you, I you can be brave true, and do it. I think, the club I think one has to be... Oh, it's true. I mean, these kinds of debates happen at universities all the time about the permissibility of shutting borders, the permissibility of uh, immigration, the reasons for and against it. Uh, in philosophy, especially, we're getting this, but but it would be strange to say that uh, in, a, in a society in which immigration policy is dictated or is set by uh, Donald Trump, basically, that if you don't agree with AOC, 
then you can't speak your mind. I mean, that's crazy. Maybe maybe AOC was AOC was an exaggeration, but if but if if you were to say if any major TV performer said, <clears throat> I agree with building a wall, he would be taking a calculated risk of his career. Um, that and now the building a wall, I, I don't support building a wall, but this was a position that many mainstream Democrats had as recently as you know eight years ago, right? Uh, uh, if you if you were to say you were opposed to gay marriage, now I'm not a, I, I support gay marriage, but I know that it was literally you know very recently that Barack Obama was against gay marriage. And he still became now, president. Now he's changed his mind, right? But now, but I'm saying now anybody who hasn't changed their mind on Barack Obama's schedule, anybody who didn't go to Harvard and doesn't you know doesn't travel in the most uh, uh, elite and erudite circles and still has some disagreement about because they're religious, they would be taking their career in their hands to say so, to just express their opinion. Um, the entire a, Catholic Church opposes gay marriage. Catholics make up a large proportion of the United States. And while not all Catholics agree with the official position, to say that expressing the official position of one of the most powerful religious organizations in the planet is impossible is also false. But what do you think Jason, would happen well, if- look what, look what happened to Canon. What do you think would happen if Jimmy Kimmel came out and said, I oppose gay marriage? What do you think would happen to his talk show? I think it would, it wouldn't, uh, it would go badly for him. It would. Um, <laughs> especially if he doesn't have any good arguments for it, right? But even if now he did have so some kinds of arguments for it, it would go badly, right? Uh, I presume that... Now let's, let's, wait, let's, take, let's take, let me give a better example. Let me give a better example than gay marriage because I have to admit that uh, to... to, to to say that about gay marriage, I don't think you have to go that far. What if, you, what if Jimmy Kimmel were to go on TV and say, you know what, I looked into the statistics and I don't believe that unarmed black people are killed uh, more than, than unarmed white people. Now, that's, I think, I think he'd be done. And, and by the way, he'd be able to point to the statistics from the Washington Post if he said it, because that is against the orthodoxy. And that's, that's what, the, there was a time when people like Pat Buchanan, uh, you know, maybe not old enough. There were not some old really enough to Pat pretty, Buchanan, yeah, I mean, there was, there were some people saying some pretty uh, 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 strong things back in the nineties and eighties in mainstream newspapers. And we tolerated it. Even if we thought it verged on bigotry. We tolerated it because we, we grappled with the ideas. No more. What would you think about the following? Right? So it seems true and reasonable that uh, you might be careful about how you say things and what you say things, depending upon whom you're talking to, right? As a general matter of being a decent human being, a normal, responsible human being, right? You just might be careful. I mean, after all, I mean, the history of humanity is filled with people biting their lips right, and not saying things to positions of power, but whatever. But I think in general, it's quite normal to say, look, uh, I'm going to be careful about how I say this, or I'm going to pitch it one way rather than another, depending on who I'm talking to, right? So I think this speaks to the point that Dan raised earlier about technology. In the past, when you were speaking to a specific audience, right, you could say your thing to them. Yeah, now, in a way, you're speaking to all audiences at once. And it's very difficult to be appropriately careful and responsible in your speech to a wide array of audiences, to please everyone all the time. But the technological situation puts us in the position of having to, to, to do that in a way. 
I just have to interrupt because Namesh, I think, has to leave soon, and we do want to. I, yeah. I, I, I was just going to say if Kimmel came on and said whatever he wanted, he'd at the very worst still have the career of Tucker Carlson. Like everything's going to be fine for all these people. They'll find their audience. They'll find it's just like who are you going to? Like you know, you point to people not being able to say whatever it is they want to say. But there's plenty of people saying exactly whatever it is they want to say, and they have thriving careers. Tim Allen is a perfect no, example of someone who made, that, I, I, I don't want I, I, I can't debate I can't, much longer, but. No, well, let's just, he has to, Dimash has to leave yeah, soon. I got to bounce, but. You got a special that you did in quarantine. Uh, yeah, man, I, I saw last year uh, around this time, I, I shot an hour at the cellar. Um, I say some wild things on there. Uh, I put it out on YouTube right when quarantine started and it's got almost a half a million hits. Um, and I'm pretty proud of it. So, uh, we'll see what happens afterwards. Anybody can see that on YouTube. You said, yeah, yeah. I just look up Namesh Patel. We're just finishing this up now because Namesh has to leave. We want to make sure he gets his plug in. I want to tell Namesh something. Yeah. Oh man, I can't Dan and Periel will, will back this up. We have had, world famous scientists and um from science both psych, psychological scientists and um uh, medical scientists on this show who have put certain questions off limits and who have afterwards asked us not to to to, to cut things out that's science that means that the there's something wrong. There's something wrong, and if you don't want to, if, if you, I shouldn't say if you don't want to see it. You, you you may not realize quite how serious it is. I speak to so many journalists who feel that I remember uh, various times would say to me, and I was going to write about that, but I figured why risk my career? People who write for the Atlantic. I mean, this is this, and and let me say again. Democracy depends on a well-informed public. It's not like, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. Garbage in, garbage out. We need a robust, unfettered debate. So at, so at the I'll, time when we have all... Go ahead. I was just going to say, how much do you believe in what you have to say if you're afraid to say it? You should, that's, if you, if you really want to, if you want to, if you want to die in your sword, then you die in your sword. Like, I mean, if you have something yeah, you're afraid no, to people, say, then people you have to choose for that. Why? Dude, I have, I have a family. Okay. I have a family. People have families to feed. They, they okay. don't, they shouldn't have to choose between, they should have to choose between presenting data from an experiment and, and, uh, and giving up their lives. That's, that's, they're that's making not the, the choice. Live in. And it's like oh Justin said before, it's the institution, right. the gatekeepers that should be the ones saying, say whatever you have to say. It should happen this doesn't you. seem to be a flaw on the side of society. It seems to be a flaw on the side of people who are gatekeeping and be like, all right, well, that, well, that you can't is get fired. That, that is no one's going to fire me unless, unless you tell me you're the one holding the power, Noam. Like if, if I were, if I worked for you and you said you can't work anymore, that's, and the mob came at you and said he can't work anymore and you disagreed with what they were saying, you're the one with the power. Yeah, I, I stand up for the comedians when the mob yeah. complains. Uh, if, if I didn't, 
um, you might actually have a problem with cancel culture. I protect you from it because we get a lot. We we actually do get. Where were you when Colombia happened, man? You <laughs> what happened under my watch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? No. The comedy the comedy the comedy seller is important, and if the comedy seller didn't stand up for it, you might have a different attitude about it. You're insulated from it. I I, thought, I think that at a time when technology when technology allows so much, we need to work to build up in, uh, antibodies against this stuff. We need to build up in kids and people a, 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 the, the norm of a thicker skin, of a, of a less retributive attitude about ideas that you disagree with because that would be good for society. The direction we're going in is bad for our democracy. Bad, bad, bad. Noam, uh, as always, you know, I, I always appreciate uh, coming on. I always appreciate uh, the support that the, the seller gives comics. Uh, and I, I tend to agree with most of the things you say because you're, you're quite convincing. Um, today was slightly different, but, uh, you know, I hope luckily I can say whatever I want because there's no comedy seller to go to right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'll, give you, I'll give you an example, Nimesh. Uh, so today we I no, emailed with you. I, 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 so there's this new. Um, I saw I the George Floyd thing. So I'm just presume you talked to it. There was a Star Trek episode. Like, do you have to leave or can you stay? I just want to make I sure. I gotta go. I gotta go. Okay. Uh, Good to see you. No, I'm Justin. On your marriage. Dan, Ariel, thank you guys again. I'll see you guys. Thank you, Dan. Bye bye. Stay safe. Okay, Nimesh. That was Nimesh Patel. Everybody, comedy seller regular at least used to be, and hopefully will be again. He's, is he gone? He seems gone. Uh, ah, all right, but that was weird. Okay, so, so Noam, you, had a, you wanted to bring something up, I just, because he had to go, so I just wanted to say a proper goodbye. Well, I, I have a question for Noam, actually, if, if it's okay. Uh, is Noam frozen? No, Noam's having an activity. Noam, are you back? I'm back. Okay, yeah, so maybe you need a better router or something. Anyway, I, I, I've no, I have ahead. no idea what you heard. No, I, I, it's been working. It's been working all. I mean, it's just that I, with this storm, I think something is being uh, some it, the bandwidth in this main is being taxed for some reason. I don't think it's a connectivity thing. So I just was good. I'm just saying, there's this new George Floyd. Let me just say, say I, there's this new George Floyd video that leaked out of what happened to when he was killed. And there's a lot there that's interesting that you talk about and get a back and forth about with people and what they see in it. And uh, I'm not I'm not comfortable talking about it publicly. I'm I'm not comfortable. I don't know if I might say something, you know, innocently wrong, or someone on the other end of me might say something wrong, and that they get in trouble. We can't we can't discuss this kind of stuff now, and that's terrible. I mean, we, okay. I presume that nobody, everybody's against police brutality. My God, go ahead. Well, I, I can't speak to that because I, I don't know the, what you're talking, the specific video you're, you're referring to, there's some new developments on that. Um, but, but I can tell you that at least in academic circles, yeah, the Black Lives Matter movement is discussed a lot. And the question of... Hello? Hello, Justin Weinberg. Is everybody is everybody frozen? Or? He's been canceled. He's frozen. I'm not frozen. Justin, okay. 
Justin Weinberg, are you there? Well, he'll, he'll. so no, I'm, I, so you sent me that, that video of George Floyd. I guess you do not wish to discuss it. Well, I mean, I discussed a, a little bit. I'm just saying I, it's, it's, it's risky. We fall, we get, you never know when they're going to come for you, you know? You, you, you talk and you talk and, and nothing happens. And then one day you say something and we least expect it. You're through. And, and um, I, I, there is something I want to talk about with Justin. Oh, no, he's gone. Uh, there, uh, which, I, which I think we can talk about. Hopefully he'll connect again. You um, may have to talk about it with anyway, us. Anyway. Well, what did you want to talk about? I hope, I hope this, I hope this podcast doesn't become unlistenable because of this uh, these glitches. Um, but yeah, I, guess, I guess a matter for the listeners to decide. Go ahead. It's not that bad. Next, next time this happens, I think maybe I'm going to call in and just do audio. So, um, and of course, Perry will know how to edit video. So, um, you know. But maybe you could you could uh, download Adobe uh, Premiere or uh, Sony Vegas or something and and um, you know just play around with it and learn how to you know learn a little tech there, Periel. Anyway, what did you want to discuss? If, so what would you want to discuss with Justin? Maybe we can be uh, have an interesting. Uh, well, if if you Google if you Google um, Kamala Harris seems to be highly highly favored to get the not the vice presidential nomination. And if you Google, there's articles in the New York Times, the Atlantic, Vox, and Reason that accuse her Wait. of fighting. Huh? Hang on. It seems like he's trying to get back in. One second. I don't see him, though. One second. I hear you knocking. Uh, Sorry, one second. It's okay. Okay, here he is. Here comes. He's back, everybody. Da, da, da. Now he's outside. Hey, Justin's back. Justin. He's, Justin. He's wow, you're in a you're in a very bucolic uh, setting there. Where is that? Uh, it's my front yard. Um, we just had a blackout, so my internet router went down, and the internet. So now I'm on my phone in my front yard. Sorry about that. So Justin, this is good for philosophy. We'll get, we're going to let you off the hook. And uh, so, so if you, if you, I started to say, if, if you Google, um, you can find in articles in the New York Times, The Atlantic, Vox.com, and Reason, among other places, articles about Kamala Harris that say, and I'm not exaggerating, say that she fought to keep innocent people behind bars after she knew they were innocent, number one. And number two, that she fought to deny a man on death row who was likely innocent a chance for a DNA test to exonerate himself. So these are the accusations. I don't know if they're true, of course, but it's not coming from Fox News and Breitbart. It's coming from the New York Times and the Atlantic and Vox. And I'm, and I'm wondering, how can somebody who might have kept innocent people in jail be not disqualified from being considered for vice president. What's going on in this country? Well, I, I don't something? think you or I are privy to the real deliberations as to who's being considered one way or another. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think you and I are really in a yeah, position. We, uh, we, we, saw we, saw we saw the piece of paper in Biden's hand where he had the talking points about it, remember? 
and we know it. Well, but we don't, I mean, again, there could be, I feel like it's not that fruitful for us to speculate too much about A, the, the facts that are in dispute, and B, who Biden is really taking seriously and who prefers. I don't have a particular stake in, in, in that issue. Um, well, let so, me ask you hypothetically. If you knew, no. okay, well, I mean, I mean, Trump was disqualifiable for saying pussy grab and for, you know, Trump University. These were, you know, Trump University, those were facts were in dispute, but that was a major, major thing. Would you agree just philosophically that a government official who keeps an innocent person behind bars, uh, knowing that they're innocent, um, should not be vice president? I would say, yeah, that's a very strong reason not to have that person as vice president. Absolutely. Well, would you agree that that's, I mean, they sh if we could, we want to see that person behind bars for that. I mean, that's, 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 pure, that's pure concentrated evil. And you're talking about Castro-level atrocity there. Uh, perhaps, you know, I, I'm not sure I feel as comfortable. Perhaps? Uh, well, again, in the abstract, yes. As for the specific cases, I, I just don't know, right? It, it may turn no, out. No, I'm not talking about how. In the abstract, yeah. yes. Okay. So now yeah. this is this is what the Times has written. Uh, Freezer Dorfer, however say his name in, in the Atlantic, uh, analyzed her answers and found them totally unconvincing. Harris's answers. So this is the record we have from the liberal media. What more? Why are we not? Why is she not disqualified? Like why would we contemplate someone that has a case credible enough are that Vox.com says it? Well, what I like about, about this, this example is that it shows that even you have the lines beyond which if people go, you're happy to cancel them. And I think, you know, it's a good example, right? And it's, it's perhaps for you, and certainly if someone's locking people up uh, or expresses the support for locking up innocent people, we might say that's someone who ought not to be in a, getting a position that she's aiming for. They may not be... Uh, Maybe probably not just to fire that person, but to throw them in jail, right? So you have your lines too, right? Uh, if you were, if you found out a comic you booked was a neo-Nazi, right? Would you cancel the booking? Who is a neo-Nazi? An imaginary comic that you've booked. You now learn that he's a secret neo-Nazi. You cancel the booking? No. I would cancel the booking. You would? I, I, I might not. If he was a Nazi, I, yeah. But no, I might I, I, not. I, I, I might not because, um, because I, not because I wouldn't find him despicable, but because I, I don't want to, I don't know what the limiting principle is there. And I think that that cure is worse than the disease. disease. I honestly do. I, but, but we're very far from that. I, I, I'm not talking about canceling Kamala Harris. What I'm saying is that the, if somebody puts, takes, I mean, it's like kidnapping to me or false imprisonment. There is a law against it, although because she's a prosecutor, she has immunity for that sort of thing. And that's why she can get away with it. But we'd like to see that. But, but I'm just finding it, I'm seeing it even with you that, again, I'm, you, I hope you, you know, I'm not, like this really is in the Atlantic, Vox, New York Times, and Reason. I think no is uh, that this, this story is about it says fought to keep innocent people in jail. So 
I mean, we're we're living in we're living in a weird world it, where you know, like I said, Trump, Trump, Trump. What? Does it say fought to keep people she knew was innocent in jail, or thought fought to keep yes. people yes. thought was guilty but turned out to be innocent in jail? Fought to keep people she knew were innocent. You want me to read it to you? No, no. If that's what you're what you say it is, I I'll, yeah. I'll believe it. Fought to keep people she knew were innocent. So now I don't know that she did it. And in a, in, a, in a previous and this and this may relate to it. There's no question if this were a Republican or in a previous era, the New York Times who was really good at doing deep dive investigations into, into these types of things. The New York Times, bottom of this, there's no question so, they're not. Um, and it's so the wrong. worry here is that someone is engaged, a, a power holder is engaged in some bad behavior, isn't being held accountable by society, right? And I, I, I think that that's an equal opportunity phenomenon across the political spectrum. I mean, for example, if you look at our president, each day that there's an enormous scandal that for any previous president would have uh, and for some reason he gave accountability for these things. It, he's been into his you're avoiding the question here. I, I mean, Trump, you know, there are, there are calls, a scandal with Trump for sure. Uh, but if he killed somebody uh, or if he, or if he locked somebody up in his basement or, or, or as president, he was responsible for locking someone up. He was innocent. Um, I think that would be a, a difference in, in, in kind from the phone call to the Ukraine or, you know, whatever else is accused of, which is reprehensible. But, but the thing is that we don't, you know, in a binary, this is my thing, in a binary choice situation, I understand holding your nose and voting for the lesser of two evils because the policies matter more. So if she was the nominee and you really hated Trump, uh, you could see voting for her despite the terrible things she did. But she's not the nominee. And I'm saying, and Al Franken was forced to resign for the accusation of patting a girl on the ass, and we're ready to nominate Kamala Harris with the accusation yeah, of keeping I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I, I yeah. really have no interest yeah. in disagreeing with you on that. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I'm not interested in defending Something is wrong. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not just Harris. There's, some, there's something deeply wrong with her public debating with our with our media that these accusations are out there they're not refuted and nobody cares at least nobody on the, i mean nobody cares but the new york times will fire you know some will fire uh uh bennett i mean this is something really weird going on now she's not accused of a small matter here is the worry that the the canceling is who's got the what's that Justin has some dogs that are creating a bit of a ruckus. Those are my neighbor's dogs. That's I'm getting away okay. from them. Sorry about that. F fucking neighbors. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm not for... Uh, if, you, if you're complaining that the cancellations that have been going on are politically motivated and politically lopsided, um, okay, uh, I, can, I can grant that. Uh, the politics of the majority will change over time and perhaps from issue to issue. Uh, that that happens. Uh, societies disagree uh, over time and change their views over time. I'm saying that we're living in a we're living in a world which is um, which 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 talks about principle only for the sake of uh, uh, weaponizing it and for par partisan or 
you know, agenda aims, and we're, we're getting away from all our principles, including the value of free speech and debate and respect for each other's opinions. And I mean, it, it seems to me, like I said, I mean, one of the worst accusations you could imagine. I mean, the, the, whole, the whole outrage of the Central Park joggers was that they were put in jail innocently and now, or, or you know, so, uh, at least innocent of the charge they were convicted of. And, and now we have somebody who's r the lead front runner for vice president who's charged in the New York Times uh, with doing the same thing to other people and or trying to trying to to, to I think to that uh, I this, think to that, me uh, is huge I think that the, the 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 main division between Justin and Noam is I think both would agree that it's bad to be intolerant of other ideas to not listen to hold to positions against all contrary evidence or to not look at contrary evidence Justin just doesn't see it as quite as new a phenomenon as Noam thinks it is. And I would, I would, is that a reasonable summary of... Uh, yeah, so I, I don't think it's as widespread a phenomenon today. Uh, I think we're misled by uh, the availability heuristic or by media, by hearing about a couple of, the same couple of cases over and over again, we're fooled into thinking it's a widespread phenomenon. And I also agree that it's an old phenomenon that uh, we've always had people who have been shunned, criticized, condemned for expressing certain kinds of views, uh, and always have had parts of the population who've had to watch what they say. I mean, no, 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 uh, black people have had to watch what they say, women have had to watch what they say, gay people have had to watch what they say. Now, ordinary you know, white cishet males have to watch what they say too, right? So it's a kind of equality going on. We have to be respectful of, we should be respectful of other people, we should be Considered about how our are you saying them down to them and just like no, they have no, like I don't first. so I think there's some logical flaws in what you just said. First of all, you're bringing up example what I think you mean were were bad treatment of blacks, women, and gay people. They, they they had to watch what they say, but that was a bad thing that they had to watch what they say. You're saying well now it's happening to white people too. Although I will, I don't think it's it's happening to not just white people happens to happens to black people who don't have a the who have the wrong opinion as well but i mean i, I think you're having it both ways you're pointing to things which were bad in the past and then saying that because we have more of that same badness that we don't have a problem and i'm saying it was wrong back then and why would we want to turn like why why would that be a way to sanitize what's happening now i mean is it comeuppance is that what you're arguing for no, so, I mean, so no, I, not, I not at all, right? So your point, your point is a good one, right? So there, there are two kinds of, of complaints one might have about today's intolerant culture. One is that it's getting worse, right? I don't think that's the case. I think rather that the norms are changing and the populations who are subject to particular norms are changing, and that's really what's going on. But you might have another complaint. And the other complaint is uh, it's always been problematic because society has always overreacted to unpopular opinions, uh, and therefore, we need to be more, um, we need to somehow liberalize our culture today, right? So the problems today might have existed in the past, uh, but the fact that they've existed in the past isn't an excuse for them today. So I think that's what you're saying now, right? So then our question is, uh, well, given that we know that utopia isn't an option, we have to live with certain kinds of problems, uh, which problems do we want to live with? Do we want to you live with the problems of people loudly expressing disagreement with one another, which is what 
people are complaining about to some extent when it comes to their complaints about cancel culture. Uh, do we want to uh, tell people they can't do that? Right? Do we want to tell people, no, uh, keep your opinion to yourself. It's better if you do that. Right? I think it's not okay. easy. I, it's not I, th easy. I thought of something. I thought of something uh, uh, about this availability bias. You know, um, my father used to like to say if he caught somebody, uh, a waitress doing something wrong, uh, not, not going to a customer or stealing or something, he would always say, well, what are the odds that the one time it happened, I caught it? And in other words, he, would, he had the opposite idea, which is that some things you can't expect to catch them. So when you do, when you do see them, you should maybe assume that it's happening much more than you see. So for instance, when, a, when Barry Weiss, who I know Barry Weiss, she is, she is a left-wing leaning person. She is left on Israel, she's left on LGBTQ, she's left on immigration, she's left, I mean, she hates Trump. She is, you know, she, she just a, you know, likes to um, talk about things and, and, which, and it's kind of a bias, but she will, she will like to write about the 1% or half of 1% of issues that she actually disagrees with the liberal conventional wisdom on rather than write a column, a boring column about the 99.5 things that everybody expects her to agree on. So that's who she is. It makes her interesting. Now, when somebody like that, who's, who's a liberal, she would never vote for Republican, you know, if her life was at stake, um, can't live at the New York Times, maybe you shouldn't say, well, it's just one person. Maybe you should say, uh-oh, maybe there's a much more going on there that I'm not able to catch because not everybody's ready to leave their perch at the New York Times. Not everybody's ready to put their head above. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know other people at the New York Times. And they will tell you that what I'm telling you is true. I know prominent people the New York Times who say, Barry was right. Barry was right. So, you know, it, the, avail the availability bias may be the opposite. It may be another bias. Go ahead. Okay. So I think that, that was a, that's a, a great point. I think there certainly are phenomena that fit better with, with your explanation. And self-censorship might be like that, right? We're only going to hear about a couple of cases of self-censorship when the people yeah. who feel comfortable enough to admit to someone else that that's what they're doing, right? Because to do that is to admit that Bingo. you have some Bingo. views that are unpopular. Even if you're not specifying which ones they are, it still could be a kind of risky thing. So I agree that if we hear more complaints about self-censorship, um, or if you hear some complaints about self-censorship, it's reasonable to assume there's more than, than what we're hearing about, okay? Um, when it comes to the cases of actual um, cultural and institutional punishment, so to speak, for speech, I tend to hear this about the same cases over and over again. And I think we have good reason to think that if someone was threatened with institutional punishment, like by their employer or uh, you know, cultural disapprobation, we would hear about it just because of the nature of those things. They're newsworthy. Um, so the fact that it's the same handful of cases, at least in, in academia, uh, the same handful of cases in the comic world, as far as I know, that people keep referring to, suggest that there isn't a whole lot of bad consequences for actually speaking out and speaking your mind. Only a few people have actually gotten any kind of flack, uh, serious flack, there's bad consequences for it. And that goes back to the first thing. I, I, so should I self-censor? If, if I'm worried about bad consequences, sure. But if the facts are such that I really don't have anything to worry about, 
or this is just a tiny chance of something bad happening to me, maybe maybe I should be a little braver. Maybe I should be a little um, work a little harder to figure out how to pitch unpopular ideas to an audience that's likely to misunderstand them. We take right? Noam's example from about a half hour ago, where if Kimmel decided that he's going to start tweeting on his personal Twitter account that he believed that police brutality. That, that, that black people are not murdered uh, by police disproportionately uh, than white people. And, he, and, and, and Kimball started tweeting this, and Noam said, and I think rightfully so, that his job would be in jeopardy. Do you, so so what do, you, do you think that's a good thing, a bad thing, that Jimmy should just... He doesn't have that opinion, but if he did... Well, well, well so, so that, people... People do debate these facts in academia, right? The explanation for the numbers of black people killed by police. Uh, the explanation for that is disputed. Is it uh, all racism? Is it some racism? Is it uh, more, uh, is it the weapons? Is it a, a culture of brutality? It's uh, in principle separable from race, right? These are theses that are taken seriously in academia and people have advanced under their own name these different kinds of things. Now, a late night comedy show, right, is a weird context to be entering into these kinds of um, uh, he, he has it on his personal Twitter account. Right. Okay, fine. So he doesn't post no, no, no. Well, well, Justin. Yeah. Justin, I, I agree with that. You know, if if the if the if the notion is that a, a late night comedy host shouldn't be getting involved in this stuff either way, then I'd kind of agree. Like you know, but if, if the point is that when there's a, when there's an open road to say anything he wants in one direction on an issue, but he knows another another side will get him fired. That's where we're in. I, in a bad situation. I just want to say that I, I think that cancel the, um, the self-censorship is really 95% of what I'm worried about. The, the people, I, 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 my heart does go out to anybody who loses their job. I hate that. But the, the real casualty is in all of us who can't express our opinions. And then beyond, I mean, I think it's the reason Trump won. One of the reasons I objected to that Harper's letter not objected to. One of the reasons I, I thought it, I rolled my eyes at it. There's a letter signed by I don't know how many ex uh, um, complaining about cancer culture was that they made it sound like this was about Trump, when in fact I think that this is the very the reaction against this was why Trump got elected. I mean the articles that like Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff wrote in the Atlantic about the coddling of the American mind front page of the Atlantic that was in 2015. That was prior to Trump. And in many of these examples, uh, this guy wrote, uh, so you've been canceled or whatever the name of that book is. Um, that was prior to Trump. And um, the, 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 the people had it up to here with political correctness is one of the main reasons people were sympathetic to Trump despite all his, his bad sides. And now they're trying to pretend that this, this is a Trump phenomenon, like cancel culture is a reaction to Trump. No. Trump is a, is a reaction to cancel culture. And that's where I think that letter went really wrong. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's, I would that's also my disagree. Last thing. By the way, go ahead. I was want to say, you're a good guy, Justin Weinberg. I'm sorry, say it again? I said, you're a good guy, Justin Weinberg, no. because you, uh, you, you're, one of the, you're one of the few people who disagree who will concede a point, which is very healthy for a, for a positive conversation. So I... I like you. I hope that when we have a good connection, you'll come on again. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'd, I'd be happy All to. Right. And I did hear you the first time. I just wanted to hear you say it again. Um. <laughs>
<laughs> um, yeah, so I know I would just agree that it, that the phenomenon isn't tied to Trump, but that also goes to my point that it's a kind of perennial issue, right? Where you have uh, disagreement uh, among people, and some people ostracized or somehow punished for saying things that are that are unpopular. Now, if we want people to be less afraid of self-censorship, one thing we shouldn't do is um, talk up the uh, the fear or exaggerate the bad consequences that might happen, right? Because that would just contribute to a culture of self-censorship, right? So that's one thing we can make sure that we're not over-exaggerating the actual bad consequences or the frequency of them, right? Another thing we could do though is try to institute protections for uh, employees or uh, who, so that, so that they can't be or are less likely to be damaged by saying something impolitic on social media. So right now, for example, a firm is prevented from uh, using machinery that's unsafe in certain kinds of ways, or there are all sorts of restrictions on hours that you can make an employee work, right? So the businesses have all sorts of business regulations against them. How about we have a regulation that says you can't fire someone for something that they say on social media unrelated to your business? I, I think that's great. I, that's been my policy always. I, and this, I mean, I've always felt that way. And I give you an, I've told the story before, but it's, I'll give you an example because I think it's, it might even be interesting to you. Years ago in the 90s, I was in a band. I, I ran the Cafe Wa. And this was at the time Farrakhan had said his greatest hits about the Jews, you know. Uh, and a musician walked in right in the middle of that with a Farrakhan T-shirt. You know, he was a Nation of Islam supporter. And, I, and I, it gave me pause. And I said, well, how do I react to this? I mean, this is almost aggressive. And if you think of that analogy today, somebody coming in wearing some, you know, you can think in the opposite, somebody white. And I just decided to let it go. And I said to myself, well, you know what? It's really none of my business. And I, and I was looking back on it. I'm so happy I did that. First of all, it passed. He stopped wearing it. He didn't get a rise out of me. We kind of became friends anyway. We're still friends. He's a good musician. I didn't need to, you know, I didn't need to escalate it. And today, somebody who wore a T-shirt for something, some other Hitler, someone else who said kind words about Hitler, everybody would be calling for the employer to fire them and cheering when the guy got fired, you know? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think that's helpful, actually. I don't, I don't it's, it may feel satisfying. I don't think it's good for the country. Just let it go. That's my opinion. Yeah. There's, they're the loudest and the noisiest people, and they tend to get a lot of the attention but it's not clear that the loudest and the noisiest are the ones we should be listening to. And, and this guy, this, this, this guy in Minnesota, Perel, you couldn't get in touch with him, who, uh, his, his daughter, another part about cancel culture, you know, people being canceled for things their wives and daughters said. So I don't know if you know the hummus story, this guy, uh, Arabic guy in, uh, in the Midwest, or I think it's Minnesota, his daughter 10 years ago tweeted terrible things about the Jews. You know, I wish Hitler had finished the job, that kind of thing. And... Mm -hmm. It came to light 10 years later, and all of a sudden, people canceling all their contracts. Nobody wants to buy from this guy anymore. He's on the verge of bankruptcy. So I contacted him. I offered to buy his hummus because, like, I, how can you hold somebody accountable for what their daughter said 10 years ago? Like, there's something, there's, really, there's something really going wrong here culturally. And, and I think rather than just say it doesn't exist, it's good to put it in context. But we, I think we should not put our head in the sand about this. That's... That is wrong. And, and the fact that everyday people are not revolted by this, standing up for intention or, or embracing uh, guilt by association, it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's bad. It's a bad direction we're moving. And I think you agree with me on that, actually. 
Yeah, I, that sounds, sound, I mean, I've, I've, now that you mentioned it, I did hear about that case, and it just it does seem quite unfair to punish uh, the dad for the thing that the daughter said. So, and I do think um, we, we, we do have to be cautious about overreacting. Uh, but I, we also should place the focus where I think it belongs. So just to give you another recent case from academia, um, an adjunct professor at Auburn University, which is a public university, uh, just the other day uh, got in trouble for tweeting, fuck the police, right? And uh, a state representative, a Republican state representative there uh, is calling for him to be fired, right? So an adjunct professor, kind of you know, not a particularly powerful person in an academic institution is being you know, threatened with being fired by a state representative. That's the kind of cancellation I think we should really be paying attention to, that kind of abuse of authority there, because then we're having the legal institutions and legal actors come in and squelching free speech. Well, absolutely. It is. The thing is that it's illegal when uh, a, a government, I'm not sure if jawboning has been considered a First Amendment violation, but I, but I agree that it's, uh, the, the state, it, it's a, it presents a different thing when the state is doing it, but I would argue that whoever does it still has the same deleterious effect on American society. Whether this guy gets fired because a politician called for his head, because the students call for his head or whoever called for his head. If he gets fired, it's blood in the water. Trust me, he will not be the last one who gets fired for it. And everyone else who wanted to tweet, fuck the police, is not going to do it. And people should be able to tweet, fuck the police. This is America. And I should, and I should be able to talk. I, I, can, I can stand being in a classroom with a guy who said, fuck the police. I can stand it. You know, and I don't, I don't like fuck the police. I can stand it. You'll survive. You will survive. And maybe you even come to some common ground if you talk about it, you know? Maybe you'll teach him something. Talk to the guy. Yeah, I, th I think it's terrible that they're trying. I read about that. And what if I have Brett Weinstein, you know, that, where they were in, in uh, what's, the, uh, what's the name of that? Uh, Evergreen University, you know, where he, he you know what? I mean, I got to get your email. I, I think you're, you're not up on, on some of these um, classic cases. I've heard of about this the Weinstein stuff. case. Yes. You, might, you might even be persuadable if you saw what's going on. Oh, you have, yeah. I mean, that was terrible what happened to him. He's, a, he's an ultra liberal. He's not a conservative. He just yeah, didn't think that white people should here. stay home from class. You know? Right. There are certainly cases of overreaction, right? The Weinstein case is one of those, the Evergreen case is one that we hear about a lot in academia. Uh, it's one of the, the, the handful of cases we hear about over and over and over again. And again, you know, yeah. no, stupidity is endemic to humanity, right? We're always going to have people doing stupid stuff, saying stupid stuff. The question is, how much of that is happening and do we generalize from it? Uh, do we let it affect what we're doing? Let me, do we let it... let me posit a, a totally uh, uninformed opinion. If there are a thousand white professors at Evergreen University, I would say at least 800 of them agreed with Brett Weinstein but didn't have the courage to take the stand he did. And I may be underestimating. What I'm saying is I, I find it impossible to believe that when he when he was talking privately to other professors there they're like no no brett you're absolutely wrong white professors should stay home i mean it's it's total self-censorship and he was brave enough to take the stand and no one's going to be dumb enough to do that again I'll tell you that so i you know um anyway i i think we have to wrap it up but you you're you're an awesome guest i just i'm just apologize for the for the bad bandwidth it was a lot of fun Daniel, being here really good talking with you it was a good learning experience. Uh, and I think actually there's a whole yeah. connection between the comic world and the philosophical world that I think is really worth exploring. 
because both areas are ones in which people routinely talk about things that are thought to be dangerous ideas uh, and controversial, uh, and somehow they survived. I think a good discussion to have at another time for our uh, for our uh, comedy oriented uh, listeners. And that would, uh, would be a good conversation. So Perry, I will contact you about I guess trying to set that up at some point. Great. Have a uh, good uh, hopefully end of quarantine. Thank you. You too. Um, you can uh, contact us for questions, comments, and suggestions at email podcast.com. And uh, you can follow us on And I guess we'll see you next time. And Justin Weinberg, do you tweet, Justin? Yeah, we're I do. What about Justin? Uh, if you look up uh, Daily News Editor um, at Twitter, uh, Daily yeah. News. D A I L Y N O U S Editor. N O U S. Some sort of Latin. We didn't get to the etymology of that, but uh, we could do it another time. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.